Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, welcome to Howard David Live. We're going to take a bite of the Big Apple by talking to uh, Fox 5's sports anchor Tina Servasio. That's not all she is. I mean, my goodness, she's done a lot in a, in a little bit of time in this business. So, what's a fellow Terp? Because we are Terps, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's a good thing. Um, originally from Nutley, New Jersey, you always probably if you once you got into this business, you always wanted to work in New York, right? I did. Yeah, I wanted to be able to come back home. This was the market I grew up watching. These were the teams that I cheered for, so of course. And of course, you know, it's the, the highest goal you could have because it's the number one, you know, television, radio market, you name it. <laughs> uh, Tina and I have uh, I've done some shows together for Sirius XM NBA uh, radio, and you're dealing with the, with the NBA in New York. You got two storylines. You got the Knicks who are trying to recapture what they once were a long time ago, and the Nets that are setting the world on fire. They've won 11 of the last 12, including a win over Boston last night. When you when you, you see the – and you worked uh, the Knicks pre- and post-game show. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm not mistaken, you want your, you want a bunch of Emmy Awards for the pre- and post. Did you not? Yeah, and, and the regular broadcast. I was the courtside reporter during the regular broadcast. Um, I was there for – starting to forget now that's how old I'm getting eight years eight seasons 2014-15 was my last season which um you know 65 losses were tough to cover but 54 wins were awfully fine in the 2012-13 season that's for sure yeah well it's ironic that Mike Woodson who coached that team is a Knicks assistant now and uh, I it, it must be a little awkward for him it must be and here's what would Things about the whole situation right now, Howard, I have been dying to go to a Knicks practice or go to a Knicks game and pregame sit and talk with Mike Woodson. That's what I loved doing when he was initially an assistant coach with the Knicks when Mike D'Antoni was the head coach. And I would sit with Coach Woodson. He would teach me so much about defenses. So that's where you see the parallel. Look how well the Knicks are playing specifically on defense. And of course, I mean, that's the engine that's powered by Tom Thibodeau. But uh, you have Woodson there who's going to teach those fundamentals and, and really break down and choreograph those schemes, that's for sure. So that's what I miss about this year. You know, not complaining because I'm glad to be alive and, and thank God if we're a year into this and heading in the right direction. But that's what's missed out from this year. I think there's so many unique things that are going on with the Knicks that we don't know why they're happening because we really can't – we can only talk to Tom Thibodeau on Zoom once in a while. Yeah, we can't well, really get into the minds and brains of the assistants. Yeah, to be to be fair, uh, in their first 19 wins, they only had four wins against teams with winning records. And last night, I don't know if that's a, a, a microcosm of the way things are, but the schedule gets appreciably tougher. And they get whipped by Milwaukee badly last night. Uh, and they've got hard games coming up against Philadelphia 
And then, of course, a game against the Nets. Interesting to me, as a former voice of the New Jersey Nets, um, when you are, even if the Nets were good, as they are now, the number one team in New York basketball-wise is still the Knicks, right? I guess so. Um, What I enjoy, and I'm keeping track, so if anybody is listening to this, and they are part of this, I see the Nets not hate. Nobody hates the Nets. It's almost, you know, they bash them. It's the, oh, you know, 22 all, I saw somebody tweet, all 251 of the Nets fans didn't like my last tweet (laughs) because it referred to something with the Lakers and Blake Griffin, you know, just, or winning without Kevin Durant, you know, it was something negative, but it used that. It was, uh, it was somebody, not a, a media person, it was somebody that does like a scouting podcast or something. So they had, you know, adequate, interesting numbers, and it is interesting because they are winning without Kevin Durant. And, but the, the response is this person, God, I mean, just ripping Brooklyn like it's a third world country <laughs> that had this, you know, minor league team given to them as a gift from like an ancient king. It was, you, it was just blows my mind um, because, look, you know, I get it. I know the history. When the Knicks were winning and went into the to the break at 19 and 18, I was drunk. I ripped out my old orange and blue stuff. I was went on a jog with my Knicks clothes on and it was so exciting to watch that final game for them to win that 19th game before the break. I'm cheering out loud for Julius Randle at the All-Star game. I mean, it's great. It's, it's, especially when you're a Knicks fan growing up and seeing this happen. But my gosh, those Brooklyn Nets are so dominant. So I get a kick out of the disrespect they're getting right now and I mean, you could argue that they have a big four because you can combine Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and they don't even have all everybody playing because we're waiting for Kevin Durant to come back. And I think they are just saving that man up and being really protective of a hamstring because it connects to the calf and it connects to the Achilles. I mean, this is a team that has taken on and can dominate and beat that Milwaukee Bucks team that crushed the Knicks last night, as well as a Lakers team, I even think, at full strength. So this, or, you know, a seven-game series. So I hate that. The disrespect is, is it's cracking me up, and I'm making notes of it just in case the Brooklyn Nets win the, the you know, world championship in July. I'm going to retweet all those people. To be fair, and I did a little research on this, uh, of the Knicks. Yeah. Final 35 games, counting last night, 20 of them are going to be against teams with winning records. So they'll go through the true acid test of playing. The schedule was easy in the first part. It's the second hardest schedule right now going forward. Yeah, it is. And it it was funny because then I I looked at the first six games, say, after the break ended. And when they, they they didn't complete the schedule, so when the complete schedule came out, I did think about that right away. You are dealing with the top three teams in the East right out of the gate. And even if you are a playoff team, which I still think the Knicks are in the East, the East is weird because it drops off. Um, the Heat have been a little sporadic compared to seeing them in the finals last year. But then look how well they played. In the, you know, everybody's 0-0 when the postseason starts. But um, I do think the Knicks can absolutely be a playoff team. But it just it just shows the gap between that, that top third, that top you know, echelon of Philadelphia and the Bucks and the, and the Nets. Uh, so we'll really see their true colors. But the key – now, last night it was disappointing, and I don't know if it's their rotations or where – I mean, quickly, does he think he's a point guard or a guard? I, you know, it was it, – was it rough? Is it a young, unexperienced team coming out after the All-Star break? 
Uh, or where the Bucks sat on fire and they're just coming out to blow up the East, you know. So, I mean, I think it was like a combination of both of those last night. But um, I, I forget your question leading into this. I was just <laughs> – <laughs> the Knicks, the Knicks it's tough, but I do think they have a chance by the time May 16th rolls around, the end of the regular season. Yeah, I think it's fair to say she's Tina Servasio, the sports anchor of Fox 5 in New York. Um I think it's fair to say if the Knicks get into the 7-10 to 10 play-in bracket, that would still yeah. be considered an upgrade over where they've been. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if they're, I mean, think about the last couple of years, even if they're contending for that eighth spot, and there's meaningful games the last couple weeks of the season, then the city's still on fire from that because the Knicks are playing meaningful games. And when that's occurring... You know that's that's when you see the spot, the uh, the garden as the as the hot spot. That's that's for sure, and it's exciting. And um, and I love their youth. I love their youth. I love the way we're watching R.J. Barrett evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Obi Toppin, the kid is athletic. You know, it, it's so great to see. But I mean, how about them picking up Emmanuel quickly? And and it'll be interesting to see what the future of Julius Randle is with the Knicks. I think it's a nice court. It's not. The core, I don't think it's Kevin Knox and Frank Milikina. It's not those players. Um, but they do have a nice core that they could really build around. Could you imagine if they do get, if they continue to play like this the rest of this season, uh, you know, get in, like, you know, get in a playing game, make the eighth seed, whatever the case may be. I mean, they absolutely can get a, a, a top ten player maybe, you know? Let me ask you this. You've been around the Garden long enough to know that they've had no luck in attracting yeah. big-name free agents and there's yeah. a lot of speculation, you know. What, what everybody has a theory. Is it Dolan? Uh, I mean, what what is it? Is 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 Dolan? Is that is he a fair culprit? I think if they're winning, it doesn't matter. I really do. I think if they're winning, it doesn't matter. I think the coaching situation has a lot to do with it. Um, and because when, when it was Dan Tony, I mean, who came? One of his former players, you know, Amari Stoudemire. It wasn't LeBron James, um, but they did have the big players. I mean, we saw the hell and high water that Carmelo went through to make sure he got himself to the Knicks. Uh, so I think if they're winning and they have this kind of a coach in place, uh, it, that that will make the difference. If they're a sixth seed and, and they lose in like a game seven or, you know, I, I think that would change it because it's been a good – I mean, everything about this season, knock on wood, this next year, this next, this season, about the Knicks has been positive because we're seeing the development of a player. We're seeing a coach implement defense and it's working. And you're seeing a guy – and this is what I think hurt them as well last night, Howard. I don't, I'm not saying they would have beat the Bucks, but not having Derrick Rose, that's, that, that's hurting them right now. That's a big loss. He's under these COVID protocols, so we don't know when he'll be back. But – he is a veteran mind. He's played better in his first couple of games in his return to the Knicks, I think, than he did you know, towards the end of his first Knicks era. A great shooter, great facilitator, but overall, as, as far as a, a role player on a team, he's a veteran, and he's a Tibbs guy. He likes being coached the way that Tibbs coaches players. Um, and you get the results. And I think we're seeing that from, like, Randall and Quickly as well. You're getting results. They are gravitating to Thibodeau's style. And you, you do have to find that, you know, the, the right player-coach combination is huge. I think that's the biggest thing because that's what's on the court. Yeah, no, you're right. She's Tina Servasio, the sports anchor of Fox 5. Uh, I, I wouldn't call you a pioneer, but you have – because that would implicate the, imply that you're old, which you're not. 
Um, I am. I'm old. No, I'm old. <laughs> I would I would draw your attention to the announcement that a young lady named Lisa Byington is going to be the first female to call men's NCAA tournament basketball on CBS and Turner. Um, that's a breakthrough, yes? Absolutely. And Lisa's been paying her due. She's been doing play-by-play for the Big Ten Network um, and a little bit on Fox Sports all over the place for the last couple of years. So I would say since 2009, I think her first call play-by-play-wise was around 14 or 15, I think. So, um, And she's good, and she's a great listen, and she's knowledgeable and brings both excitement and also information, like a journalist angle as well. Uh, when she's calling those games because she's done everything. She's hosted, she's done sideline reporting, she's been an analyst for women's games. So it's so great when you kind of get like, it's like the five-tool player when you're getting Lisa Bynington calling these games coming up. Uh, so yeah, we're, we, we continue to see uh, different women chip away at that glass ceiling, whether it's play-by-play. And I think that's gone a little unnoticed, which drives me a little crazy because I, I have worked with Andrea Kramer quite a bit on CBS Sports Network on We Need to Talk. We have co-hosted together. That Thursday night game that uh, Andrea Kramer and Hannah Storm called together on the NFL on Thursday nights on Amazon. They've been calling these games for two years, and I just feel, and, and with streaming coming and everybody cutting the cord, I don't know if it just they didn't want to get it enough publicity. I mean, it, it, it did going into the Super Bowl, but I think it deserves more. That's that's the, that's the biggest glass. I mean, now, do they shift? Do we see one of them? Hannah did the uh, play-by-play. Do we see that shift to a broadcast, to an actual major broadcast? I hope we see that this coming NFL season somebody shifting into a major broadcast. I mean, we do have some women calling NFL play-by-play games. And then we have, um, oh gosh, Beth Mowen. Right. Um, she's doing the play-by-play, of course. But, you know, I feel like there's, there can be more women on broadcast. They, they are out there. They're calling college games. And you know, just a switch of the rules and a little bit like Hannah's doing on the NFL. So, um, every day there's a, a little something, a little something else, that little chip on that, that glass ceiling for broadcasters, women broadcasters in sports. Tina, don't you feel like uh, when you get this kind of a situation, the microscope is on or the spotlight is mm-hmm. on, whether it's Lisa or yourself, uh, it almost seems like uh, you have to be just better than good. Yes, and it's so, uh, it's just a challenge. I think uh, it's unfortunate for women, but we've accepted it. Uh, you know, I, I do see that every so often. You have a, a slick, because I, I do my anchor, I anchor my sports in the morning. And sometimes at 6.45 or 4.45 a.m., I haven't gotten enough coffee in me yet. <laughs> <laughs> or I didn't get a chance to see, like, a later game. So I, I can't watch a, a West Coast, you know, Nets tipping off against the Lakers. You know, I'm not watching that whole game live for four quarters. I, I'm scrolling over it in the morning through my NBA league pass watching highlights, looking for, you know, you lose a little bit of the emotion of the game. So you couldn't miss something or you say something wrong. Or I killed myself a couple of weeks ago. It was it was something that Harden was from the field. And it was still phenomenal. And I you know, they say he was, you know, 11 of 13. And maybe I said 10 of 13 or whatever. But you will get a tweet. Someone will call you out on that. It's just, it's just fascinating. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But I think uh, we're kind of putting those blinders on now and 
just, you know, move forward, do the best you can. I have learned to change my focus. I need to do the best I can for my bosses. What does, what does my news director, my general manager, my assistant news director, my executive producer, what do they want from me? It's not necessarily what somebody, you know, watching at home wants. So they, you know, somebody gets offended. I, I said the Islanders score the other day. Oh, you know, Islanders win their first place faster. Well, that was because, I mean, to be honest, I already have, they gave me a lot of time. I mean, sports has shrunken down in these, in local affiliate markets to sometimes a minute 30. And I'll, I'll get into that in a minute for our evening newscast. But in the morning, I had four minutes the other day, but it's the biggest tournament in New York. I mean, you've got these young, great players doing all of this stuff on the biggest tournament. And you, I have Mamo uh, Keller's really sound. And I've got, you know, Mike Anderson's coach of the year, St. John's. That's a whole other story. So I went heavy on Big East. And guess what? I work for a company. The biggest tournament on my company. It's on Fox Sports. It's on Channel 5 New York on Saturday. And unfortunately, these two teams were canceling out each other. See, it all prevailed in this, that particular game against St. John's. But one of these teams could be in the final. And so I'm doing what, what my company wants, what my bosses want. And hockey took the back seat. And you would have thought I kidnapped someone's child. <laughs> because I didn't, you know, I was droning on and on is the word. Uh, about college basketball. I mean, so you can't you can't serve everybody. I did a story a few weeks back. We we try to do human interest and and morning sports at six forty five in the morning or nine forty five is when I often present my feature packages on Good Day New York. The demographic and we have the numbers and the computers and the science to tell us the demographic isn't a hardcore sports fan that wants to know about the different screens or you know short rollouts that the Nets are going to be able to do now with Blake Griffin. They don't know what the heck you're talking. About. They want stories. So I did a story on a Black History Month pioneer, Wendy Hilliard, has an incredible foundation in Harlem, New York for gymnastics, providing gymnastics for young boys and girls who either can't afford it at all, so they get in full, you know, they call it a scholarship. Uh, they don't want to call it free because they, they believe these young children deserve it or at a low cost. She is serving the underserved and um, urban communities, and you are watching more and more women of color become champions. Simone Biles is a legend, legend, maybe the, probably the best gymnast ever, who could ever beat half the stuff she's doing? So it's this whole big story, and it's an Olympic year. Again, I mean, and I get a tweet, you know, typical woman, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I was so offended. I was like, that was a Black History Month story. It had nothing to do with women. And cause we were talking about African, uh, a man that was an African-American, oh, back in the day, I forget his name, escapes me right now, because we're talking like four, late 50s that actually identified Native American because wasn't sure how people would react to him being a black gymnast. And that's what my story was about. And it was a sports story, and it was historical, and it was local. And you would have thought, you know, oh, this stupid story, you know, the Nets are the best team, or whatever they were complaining about at that moment. So, and, and they associate it with being a woman. But so, um, so last few weeks, Howard, I have to be honest, I've, I've shut off the, the responses on Twitter. I don't really look that much. You're right. You're doing the right thing. She's Tina Servasio, the anchors, Fox 5 in New York. Uh, we're taking a bite of the Big Apple with Tina. This is a nine sports pro town. And yet, and yet, yesterday, Georgetown upsets Villanova. And the coach of Georgetown is a guy by the name of Patrick Ewing, who's got a little bit of a name with the Knicks. His, I mean, his, his jersey's hanging in the rafters 
and some security guards stopped him and asked him for his pass. And, and Patrick was miffed about that. And, well, he should be. I mean, look, you, I'll go back to the mid-'80s when the Big East was a big deal and St. John's was big and, and, and Patrick uh, Ewing was big with Georgetown and Chris Mullen was big with St. John's and Luke Karnaseka and all of that. But this is basically a sports, pro sports town. Having said all of that, what's on your bucket list career-wise? To be, to be able to cover in person, because a lot of stuff I'm covering these days, I get to cover it, but it's not in person. Uh, <laughs> um, bucket list. So I have been at, you know, I've, I've done the Big East tournament. Um, you know, I've been there, I've experienced the final. I mean, the bucket list sometimes is completely out of your control because, you know, I would love to cover a Giants winning the Super Bowl. I was working in Boston at the last time the Giants. Well, actually, I take that back. The first time the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots, I was working in Boston and doing baseball. So I did not cover the football team in Boston, and they lost anyway. And then um, I was covering the Knicks. I was full-time at Madison Square Garden Network and covering the Knicks the last time they won the uh, – the, the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl. So they did come, and I was there at the game when the guys were all on the court and they were playing the music and, you know, they have the Super Bowl trophy with them. That was always a hoot. Um, so I would love to be in person to cover the New York football Giants because that, that was my first favorite team, winning a Super Bowl. That would be really neat to witness. Um, I also, now, I've been to several Olympic games, and that's the thing, too. A lot of, you know, everything changes because of networks and rights holders. And now with COVID, even before we went through this pandemic, they had transferred a lot of international Olympic coverage to remote. I covered the Sochi Olympics as well as the Brazil Rio Olympics from a tiny little studio on 57th Street. Now, I was doing updates to some pregame and halftime shows for Westwood One Radio. But previously, I'd been to Japan as a production assistant with CBS when they had the Olympics, the Winter Olympics in 1998. And then in 2004 and in 2006, I was on location in Athens and then on location in 06 in Turin, Italy to be a radio broadcaster for the Olympics. So it's a buck. I've done it already, but I I would love to go back. I'd love to go back to Olympics on site, cover it. I don't care what sport. I just want to cover it. Olympians, I love covering them during the year and non-Olympic years. They're, I work with former Olympians. They're just incredible people because they are not being paid with NFL players and MLB players and NBA players are making. I mean, talk about sacrifice. And even if you are a professional player, like a lot of the women on the women's national soccer team, I mean, they're still fighting to get decent pay, but yet they're, they're Olympians, they're World Cup winners, they're gold medal winners. Um, there's just something special about somebody that is training for the Olympics and, and gets to go and compete in their sport, and I just, I, I mean, I just love the Olympics. I got to tell you, in 1992 for CBS Radio, I covered the, um, the, the uh, Winter Olympics in Albeville in France, and uh, a young woman named Bonnie Blair won two gold medals. When, mm-hmm. So when, when she received the gold medal, you know, you stand up and they play the national anthem of the winning team. I have to tell you, the hair in the back of my neck stood up when I heard the national anthem because here I am in France listening to the American national anthem, and it affected me. I don't mind telling you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I was there as an observer 
in 2006, I had the night off, and I said, well, I'm going to go watch speed skating. And I watched Apollo Antonono win a gold medal. And I'm uh, sitting, like, in the press seat, but, it, you know, I wasn't working. I'd worked all day. I was, doing, I was covering women's hockey, actually, at the time in Italy. And uh, that was so, that was really cool. That was, uh, to see that and hear, you know, in, in another country, like you said, to hear the, the national anthem. And you think the four years that young person took to win that medal, it's just fascinating. Tina Savasio, sports anchor of Fox 5 in New York. Um, let me give you three athletes. Tom Brady, 43 years old. Serena Williams, 39 years old. LeBron James, 36 years old. I'm not going to say which is more impressive, but there's three stories about three great athletes at the advanced age in their respective sport, and they're still achieving success at a high level. I love those three. And I, you know, look, he's a Patriot. He's a Buccaneer. Every, you know, there's a lot of people that can't stand. My husband can't stand Tom Brady. Uh, I read his whole TV 12 thing. It is crazy and it is intense. It works. LeBron James is a lot like that. And don't, don't get me wrong. It is a perfect confluence of being born with certain God-given gifts. And also a certain mentality to work for it and keep working for it and to be competitive and to never give up. I mean, when you look at Serena Williams, because she hasn't, she's going for that elusive, it's 24, right? The elusive grand right, plan. Right, right. Uh, but she's, still, she's, she's not giving up. She has not given up. And she has come back from having her child. And she's just, and she deals with so many, and LeBron too, they deal with so many other out companies and businesses it is fascinating but back to just the physicality of it um, it's inspiring it changes the sport and I've kind of what they've done is it, it's influenced me like it's kind of different storytelling Howard I was looking for stories to tell because it's very hard to cover a Super Bowl when neither of your local teams are in it a when you're not physically there B so you, you grab the local guys you know okay who is from the New York area that is playing in this game. I don't care if they're a third stringer. Well, let's see if we can get them. And it was great because of Zoom and because, I mean, because of COVID, it worked out for me. And because of the extra week, I was able to get a couple guys on their phones on Zoom before the NFL actually started holding press conferences. It was fascinating. And so it was great. So I had some great local stories for the Olympics. But I was like, we, I got to hone in on this whole Tom Brady and not TV 12 because I didn't want to sell. They didn't want me like selling it. So I combined his methods, also with a young player like um, Patrick Mahomes, who's, you know, how, what do you do now at this young age to continue and keep playing until where Tom Brady's playing? Who, by the way, signed an extension today. Did you see that? Who? Tom Brady. Oh, oh what? The, oh, really? How long? Yes. He, I think another three, did it keep him through 2025? I don't have it. In wow. I did not know yes, that. insane. Yeah. Huh. So, um... What's benefited, and, and LeBron, they all they all take advantage of this. Where they are right now, uh, where we are in the world scientifically and biologically, they use, they utilize, this is what the three of them I think do fantastic, because I know Serena is very into like the cryotherapy and the compression therapy, their recovery and their diet, and it is just, it is it's science, but it's natural. Using these, I, so I did a whole story on, um, these different that you could buy and have in your own house now. So if you're 
like me, just a little older than Tom Brady. But, like, I want to keep running, and I want to lift weights, and I want to jump higher and faster and go longer than the 20-year-olds in my workout classes. And I want to beat people on the leaderboard in my Peloton. Like, I have that little competitive thing going on. So, to me, it's like, okay, age is not a number. I just, I'm in my mid-40s, and I just blew out that cute little 20-year-old next to me um, in my mile time trial. <laughs> so, that's how I work, and that's fine. You know, let's be honest, that's how Tom Brady's working in his brain. And, um, but, you know, you come home, you take your proper... So I did a whole story on the proper proteins, and then there's you can buy these machines at home, whether it's the compression leg machine or the massage guns. But it's not so much; it's really not a massage. That's the misnomer. It's called vibration therapy. So you should get the massage manipulation in addition, but the vibration therapy, you know, breaks up the fascia and it allows movement and the whole thing with yoga. And that's what these three do. And it's so it's. They've, paid, they've continued their incredible God-given talent and their determination and you know, everything mental that comes from it. But they have worked extra hard, you know, besides the skill and working on, you know, your drills and, you know, to throw a ball, to, you know, hit a three-pointer, to make a perfect no-look pass, you know, a great backhand. I mean, that's all skill, but they have gone above and beyond to, you know, just absolutely treat their bodies like machines. And it, it shows it shows the longevity. And I, you want to see them more athletes. I'll tell you what, Phil Nicholson, I don't know what he's doing today. He shot like a 71 yesterday. I mean, even in golf, you know, I mean, he's prolonging his career. He said he was going to go to senior tour. He played a couple times there. He's doing darn well right now on the PGA Tour still. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. I'll I tell you what. Um, I, I don't know, uh, Otis at Channel 2 and Bruce Beck at Channel 4. You do watch the competition, don't you? Yes and no. Um, I mean, uh, Bruce is a mentor of mine. I first met him when I was actually filling in at CBS2 in 2004. And that's the first time I met Bruce. And, uh, you know, he just, I got to meet him finally. It was like a full perspective. <clears throat> and then stayed in touch with him when I went out to Boston and he was very, that's when he like was mentoring me from afar Wow! and he kind of, and he helped me sort of keep tabs or like in tap with what was going on in New York. And I was on his, his show several times when I was the Knicks broadcaster, whether it was Lynn Sanity or Carmelo and everybody getting ready for the postseason. So I have known Bruce for a long time and I continue teaching at, at some of his camps. I am for a long time as a sideline reporter, but now I have, well, I still do a lot of sideline stuff, but um, I've also shifted into uh, interviewing and storytelling, and you know, so we teach all of these these classes. He gets guest speakers to come in. Um, same thing with Otis. I mean, I've met him along the way. He's he, and he's been at a couple different stations. Just like a, I mean, just a great guy. No doubt I, about I, it. I mean, Otis is such a nice man. Yep. So would I at first? So here's so I come back to New York from Boston. Oh, yeah, so I'm at the Knicks for a while, but when I get my job, you know, where, you know, two, four, seven, five, eleven. so I'm a sports, you know, one of the lead sportscasters. I did do that at first, Howard. Well, who are they getting as guests, and what are the stories they're telling, and what is their rundown like? And it just, like, wait, it got so overwhelming. And it got overwhelming for a number of reasons, and then finally an executive producer took me aside, he's like, do you realize how different your job is, and how different what we want from you in your role, just because you have the same title 
at, a, at another affiliate in New York. We want something different from you. So the advice I was given is if you have something completely different and interesting and, you know, we don't, we don't want you to have what, like, Bruce and Otis have the night before. What is different in the morning? But, you know, because they really don't want me doing scores and highlights because everybody gets another phone. I wake up and watch half of a, an NBA game on my phone in the morning. If somebody's that dedicated, they could do the same thing. They don't need to see me in my two minutes and 40 seconds on Good Day New York. So the true sports fans not watching me in the morning in my role. What unique stories can I tell? What different angle can I bring to um, to spring training or something like that? I mean, I get a story on who stores the baseballs in um, at spring training last year when I was there. And I got taken into, you know, and I could have sat there and totally analyzed and, and I've done this because I've been in the I've been in the trenches in all sports. You know, could have analyzed John Carlos Stanton's swing and how he moved his foot a quarter of an inch back. I mean and frankly I do like that stuff. And I will watch like MLB Network or NFL Network to watch all those crazy idiosyncrasy things and yeah. and different you know, so I do. I mean NBA radio that's what we talk about, right? Yep. Analytics and different ways of running plays and different switches so I could you know so that I compartmentalize and use if I'm ever on NBA radio but it's the storytelling that I was told to do like they're going to do highlights they're going to analyze it they're going to ask a player about the three two count and the outside fastball that he hit you know what so that's great you know that person hit the game winner oh oh but one of the baseballs that he hit you know, for that home run, yeah. this is where it actually came from. And then you open up this door, and there are baseballs from the floor to the ceiling. <laughs> I would say like a medium-sized kitchen or a medium-sized bedroom, just filled with like, that's like, I forget what the number was. I have it right now. Like 50,000 baseballs in it. And several, like say two player, uh, players, two staff members that work for Yankees Equipment they have to personally, with their two hands, rub up the ball. You know, get them dirty. A clean, white, shiny baseball is not working, especially you know during spring training. So they, you know, you got to get the mud, and I have got to put my hands in the gotta, mud. I, I, hate, I hate to cut you off, but I got to run. Um, but, okay. but I do appreciate your time and stay safe. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Howard. Really appreciate it. Thank you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube